Try to do my look away. <laughs> Shimmy to the mic. <laughs> do the intro. <laughs> And then when we're done, we shimmy away from the mic. (laughs) We just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. We try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. (laughs) It's mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. Hello and welcome to Freudian Sips. The podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. Hello. And having an existential crisis about how we're not professional anymore when we do our podcast. Hello. <laughs> we need to be more professional. Uh-huh. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. You can be more professional. I don't want Anna's it. like, I'm into the vibe. I'm into the I'm vibe. I'm into the vibe, baby. What's vibe? So, Mom, do we have exciting news? We do have exciting news. What's our exciting news? Uh, I'll let you tell them. You should refer back to what was said in the last podcast. Uh, Rather vague because we didn't want anybody to really know. We we didn't tell anyone we were doing this. Uh, So... Last episode, I said that we had some professional kind of stressful things coming up, some challenges. What I meant was we were taking a test, a huge test. Currently, I'll say we are LPCs, which means licensed professional counselors, Mm -hmm. to be an LCPC. A licensed clinical professional counselor, you have to take a big test and... You have to practice for a while and get so many hours under your belt. Yeah. And then you can... take this big test. Yeah, yeah. Big test. Big test. And we were frightened. Oh, gosh. We were so stressed We out. were both having panic attacks. Yeah. Speaking of existential crisis, we both yes. had one the night before. Yes, yes we yes. did. Yes. But we both passed. Yeah, We did it. So we are... Good in... job, Anna. Good job, Mommy. <laughs> So we are in the process of getting our extra letter, our LCPCs. We get an extra C. Extra C. Which doesn't sound like something you would strive for. baby. <laughs> yes, in this case, the C stands for clinical. Yes. We feel, I don't know. Lighter Relieved, relieved. Very yes. relieved. Relieved, tired? <laughs> we did yeah, it on exhausted. Tuesday and I still feel like very drained. Yes. So... It takes a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we took the test, I said to Anna and a couple other people too that because I have been a teacher for many years and I'm one of those teachers who does not really believe in standardized testing or yeah. even, I mean, you kind of have to test once in a while to see if the students are getting sticking. what yeah they, they need to get. But to, to measure someone's ability or potential or intelligence through a test, as a teacher, I never have believed in that because right. some people just don't test well. Some people get a lot of anxiety for testing and you know it it just often isn't a very good measure so I kept saying that to myself because I think because I thought if I fail this we're gonna I gotta have something to stand on we were going in (laughs) thinking we were going to fail because and we both did this the night before when we talked about that later we discovered we had done like the exact same thing where Mm -hmm. I I took a practice test online and failed both like big sections and I, I just like 
had a nervous breakdown. Yeah, I did too. We weren't together the night before, no. but we were both doing the same, the same thing in our separate houses. Yeah. yeah. But that's over. It's over. It's we're looking over. forward now yes. to the many possibilities of life yes. or something like that. Something like that. Is there any other pre-roll? Do we need to buy our merch? Go to our Patreon. Anna's making lovely signs with her. She's like kind of dabbing. I don't know. It's like a, there, oh, there's a dab. That was more like a. Like a Heisman trophy. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to think of who that. Is it, was it one of the Greeks, Greek gods always did something like that with their arms too? Zeus yeah. dabbing on everyone. <laughs> Zeus would be very powerful Zeus dabber. would dab everyone. He would. That's, hey, whenever there's thunder, <laughs> Zeus is dabbing. dabbing. Okay. I feel like we can't get our momentum today. I know. It's a weird, weird day. Weird vibe day. And we're going on vibes today. So that's not good. That's not good. Yeah, we, this episode's going to be a little less structured than usual just because the topic is less structured. I've noticed that you've said that like the last four episodes, by the way. (laughs) Don't call me out. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) But if someone's a regular listener, they're going, did I already listen to this episode? For the last few episodes, we have been getting ready for our Studying, Yeah. And now we're recovering from our test. I know. So who knows? The next episode might be very professional. There you go. We're going to pick something that has the most structure. I think when we talk about a specific person is or a That's specific theory, it's more structured. Yeah. yeah. And this topic today is is a little more laid back and it's it a little more general and, and kind of It's a of little like, more subjective, really. That's a very good way to say it. There's not like... And this is what this is, and this right. is what this is. It's, it's not more, like there's history in this it's kind of, Okay, so let me introduce the topic, I guess. Please do. <laughs> Please do that. A few, I guess, weeks ago now on Twitter, I said, hey, we're kind of trying to look for episode topics. What What do people want to hear about? And Koi's Questions, which is another podcast, C-O-I-E-S Questions on Twitter, asked us to talk about loving someone with depression, mm. which I think is very meaningful. I think it's an important topic, but it's not necessarily something that there is a lot to research on. It's kind of it's kind of just a person asking two counselors about how right. to do that better. Right. And I kind of we will get into this in the episode, but we're going to talk about depression specifically, but also I think it can be generalized to what it's like to live with someone with a mental illness. Any mental illness, yes. We'll generalize a little bit. Right. So yeah, it's going to be there there's not so much structure. And this is something that I'm sure you've done too, Anna. I know that I've done it several times as a counselor that I do family therapy or couple therapy. Mm -hmm. And one of the people has a significant uh, issue with mental illness of some sort. And a big part of then the counseling for the family or for the couple is exactly this. Mm -hmm. How if you choose to be in this situation, you know, which sometimes like if it's your child who has mental illness, it's not like you really choose that. But especially in relationships for couples, if you choose to continue in that relationship, then then there are things that you can do to make life more bearable and build coping. For both um, of you. Exactly. So, yeah, I kind of look at this like exactly what Anna said. Two counselors sitting with you saying, these are some ideas about living with someone with mental illness. So if you're listening, uh, Sipsters, and you, you know that you're the one with a mental illness of some sort, that this could be one that you might say to your significant other, hey, would you listen to this? Right. <laughs> Hopefully you'll listen to it and go, yeah, my significant other or my family, they do that. So what I'd like to start with is kind of just a general thought first, but then specifically about depression. And that is, you know, even if we are very good at empathizing with people 
and we've had a lot of practice at it. Maybe you've lived with someone with depression for a long time, and so you you feel like you really empathize well. And I think it's important to say that we can never 100% know what another person yeah. is going through. Get Even it. if we have that same issue our brains are different. So one of the things that came to my mind is I get migraine headaches. Anna's mentioned that in a couple of different episodes. And there was a commercial on a couple years ago where they put these goggles on people. You remember that commercial? It was for like Excedrin or I probably shouldn't. They didn't pay us to say their name. <laughs> We're not um, being sponsored by Excedrin. <laughs> but Excedrin, if you want to sponsor us, give us a call. <laughs> But it was it was like to show a loved one of a person with migraines what it would feel like to have a migraine. And they put these like goggles on. They're kind of like those drunk goggles that they use like I mean, That's what Dara. I was thinking when you said about that. Yeah. But like – But what? it makes you feel like you have the lights, you okay, know, because sure, how I get the blue lights. part of the migraine is the pain. Exactly. And so that's what I was going to say. Even though those people came out of that experience saying, wow, I, can't, I, never, I never understood what you went through, you still don't. Right. Because you didn't have it in your brain. Well, you didn't have it's it like head. the drunk goggles where like, okay, you're seeing – double but you're not like experiencing the actual like mental yeah (laughs) the mental things and the feeling like you want to vomit right all of that. So I don't mean to to say this in a way to make people feel bad. You know, like if you think, well, I completely empathize with someone with depression because I have depression. Well, your depression is not like anybody else's depression. Right. There are similarities, just like there are similarities in migraine headaches. And yeah. there are similarities in people who have bipolar. So and part of empathy, like empathy is not you have to be experiencing the same thing to get it. Right. Empathy is, okay, I acknowledge that I cannot fully get what you're getting because I'm not in your head, but I understand that it's very hard for you. Right. The thing about empathy, and empathy is a skill that you should try to develop anyway. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's especially when dealing with someone with a mental illness, it's important, but it's just something that we should all Good humans should have, yes. Exactly. We talked about that in the last episode. Yeah. And the importance of empathy. And you don't need to be experiencing what they're experiencing. You just need to be able to open your mind Mm -hmm. and be willing to learn about it. Right. It was important. So I wanted to read to you guys something that I found on a website. And these are from people who sent in their thoughts that people who have been diagnosed with depression, who shared their thoughts about how it feels to be depressed. And I'm just, with the quotes, it has like their, it's probably Twitter names, But I'm just going to read the quotes for now, okay? So if you're a person who deals with depression in your life, maybe as you hear these, one of these will, will be like, yeah, that's how I feel. So the first one says, quote, like trying to live life while walking in mud. Some mm. days it's ankle deep, some days it's waist deep, but most times it's somewhere in between, end of quote. Another one says, quote, nothing. You feel nothing. You don't feel what you're supposed to feel. You do feel a mild blandness that makes you want to medicate with stuff you know you shouldn't do, end of quote. Another one says, quote, an overwhelming sense of dread that never leaves, coupled with a tightness and a pressure over my heart. It's like looking at the world with storm cloud colored glasses, end of quote. Here's another one. Quote, depression, it's hard to describe. I have to put it like this. You ever have that dream where you're falling but you never hit the ground? Just like that, only you're blindfolded and you don't know why you're falling and you don't know if you'll ever hit the ground. Mm. End of quote. Doesn't that give you a hopeless feeling? Just a couple more. Quote, where everyone's normal or average state of their mood is what you experience on only your happiest of days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then you feel like you're not human since you hardly ever reach the surface. So you end up sinking even deeper. Like the world is at light speed and you can only crawl. 
Mm. End of quote. I think that's a really good one. And that really represents like the otherness that people feel when they have depression and other mental illnesses. It's like, I'm not like everyone else. Right. Even though like things like depression and anxiety are really common, it still makes you feel like you are not having the regular human experience. Exactly. Okay, two more. This one's real quick. Quote, the lead blanket the dentist drapes over you during x-rays. End of quote. Wow. Um, And the last one I think is really powerful. Quote, like a very big black dog on my shoulders, snarling and barking words of hate and shame in my ear. Oh, wow. Constant barking and snarling, pushing me to the very edge during my waking and sleeping hours. When it's gone, I feel lighter. End of quote. Mm. So that's quite... a difference between just feeling sad that's yes. a very intense feeling yeah of i mean those people all have depression and they all have different it's ways different. to explain it mm-hmm. if you're living with someone who has depression there are some things that you should do and some things you shouldn't do mm-hmm. so you want to start with some of those yeah let's talk about the shoulds okay i mean let's go back to empathy for a second mm-hmm. because baseline that is the best thing to have Mm-hmm. is just patience is part of empathy. So like when you have empathy, when you're trying to understand, you're less likely to be like, just get better. You know, when mm-hmm. you're when you're just taking a step back and trying to get how difficult this is for the person that you love, it's easier for you to give them the space that they need and the time that they need and the support that they need to work through it. Validation is also a part of empathy. So I think people get into this like competitive empathy thing. Like I've dealt with clients who have loved ones who are saying, it's not that bad. Why are you feeling so bad? Mm-hmm. Like you, your life isn't bad. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. You have such a good life. Why yeah, are you sad? Exactly. Like, yeah. And that just makes the person feel even worse because they can't control feeling right. hopelessness. I mean, they can't control and feeling And then they down. feel guilty for feeling exactly. sad. Exactly. So it just piles onto them. So people's mental illness, especially depression, I'll be point to. Sometimes it can have an external source. Sometimes when people are going through really tough things, they will be depressed. Mm -hmm. But when we're talking about clinical depression, it's often just a chemical in your brain that is out of whack. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't have to do with external factors. So it's not helpful to be like, you have a good life. Why are you depressed? It's helpful to say, I'm so sorry you're going through this. I know how hard this is. It's not like someone's mental illness has to to be the worst mm-hmm. to be valid and painful for them. Person-centered language is important, an important part of empathy. So this is what we use in counseling where instead of saying like the schizophrenic, mm-hmm. we say the person struggling with schizophrenia. Right. We want to put the person first. So remember that your loved one is not their mental illness. Right. Remember that your loved one is someone struggling with a mental illness and that they're still them. They're mm-hmm. still the person that you love. They just have a sickness. Right. It's just like um, I have high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't want to be defined by my high blood pressure. Right. It's just something I struggle with. It's something that I have to medicate for. Yes. I, th- I think it's just important. I always have these visuals in my head. I wish I could show our sipsters. There was on, I don't know if it was Facebook or somewhere I saw. It's been quite a while ago now. It was like a little cartoon, um, like a little animated thing where there was this little character that was depressed. And there were these other little characters that were all saying things like, 
let's just go have a party and you'll feel better. Or right. why is your why are you acting like this? Your life isn't so bad. Have you tried going for a walk? Yeah, those kind. Of, and then finally, the one little character just goes and like sits with the person. They don't say anything. They just go and sit there, and mm-hmm. that's what brings the little character some peace. Yeah, because it's not going to make them happy. I mean, no. just you being there and loving them is not going to make them go, oh, I feel much better now. I mean, eventually, hopefully, it will have a positive sure. effect. But in the moment, sometimes you just need to be with the person. I know, Anna, you're real good at this, that when something is upsetting someone, because I know because you've done it with me, is you always say, how can I help? Mm. There are some ways that we can ask that that kind of make the person feel like, I don't, you know, but when you just say, how can I help? It leaves it up to me to say, there's nothing you can do right now. That's interesting that you say that because this is also going back to how different people respond better to different supports because that's a way that I support you. I ask how I can help, but my husband also has mental illness struggles just like I do. When I ask him that, I have learned that that's not good for him. Mm. So like when I say, how can I help? It's like too open and kind of a lot of pressure on him in that moment. So I've learned not to ask that to him when he's in a bad place. I think that's a good point. That brings up a good thing to mention too, is that if you are actually living with someone who is challenged with some type of mental illness, you probably know if you've tried some of the things we talk about today and you're like, that doesn't, that work, doesn't like, work. Then that then don't do it. Right. You know, I mean, we're not, nothing, like we said in the beginning of this episode, we're all different. Yeah. So we're going to react even though maybe five people have depression, they might have five different ways to react to yeah. how can I help you or what can I do yeah. to help and so. I want to go back to what you said about sitting with the person, that I, I do think that is hugely important. Sitting with the person is not going to make them better, like you said. It's just going to eliminate that guilt of, I'm bad for feeling bad right now. Right. So yeah, it kind of it's the opposite of saying like, oh, you shouldn't be feeling the way you're feeling. Mm-hmm. It's giving the message to that person that no matter how you're feeling, I'm willing to sit with you in it and I'm I'm still going to be here. I'm still going to love you. That's good. Okay. So that was kind of empathy. Okay. Yes. Okay. So an important part of being a support to someone with any mental illness is learning all you can about the mental illness. Absolutely. And like we talked about earlier, even if you have the same mental illness, it might look different. So like I talked about how my husband and I both have mental illness. We we struggle with the same stuff. We struggle with depression and anxiety and it looks very different for both of us. Mm-hmm. So it's it's important to know how the mental illness can look in different contexts. And especially if you don't have it, it's important to know what some of the symptoms are, some of the common things that may happen just so you can be like, ah, that is a part of the mental illness that we're mm-hmm. dealing with here. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that a lot, that that empowers us when we understand what's mm-hmm. going on with yeah. our brains. It empowers us to feel that we're more in control of our life. Right. And so that that helps not only if it's your own issues you're dealing with to understand, like if you do have depression or if, or if you have bipolar, if you understand those things, you, you know, but then also if you are one of the significant others of that person, it helps you feel like you're not so out of control. And it can help you help the person with the mental illness, right. like help your loved 
everyone understand. Like there are times where it can be helpful to know what that all looks like because when someone is in their depression or in their mental illness, it's hard for them to know that's what's happening sometimes. I know that sounds silly and often they are aware of it. They're like, I'm having a depressive episode, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're like, why am I feeling like this? And as the person on the outside of that, it can help for you to be able to say, this is a depressive episode Mm -hmm. and we just need to get through it. Mm -hmm. Like it can help to kind of reality check them and say like, this is just part of your mental illness and it'll, it'll pass. So, I mean, ways to learn, I guess. Look online, look for books, look for the things that mom just read, like other Mm -hmm. people talking about how their experience looks. Ask your loved one what their personal experience is. That's the best way to learn what it's like for them because it's not going to be the same as what it's like for anyone else. Mm -hmm. Seek whatever information is going to help you understand what someone else is going through. Do we want to talk about depression specifically and how that can look? I think that's almost a whole separate episode, don't you think? I think so too. Like it can be important to know with depression, for instance, that – There's the typical, like, stay in bed all day, no energy to eat, no interest in anything kind of depression. And yeah, those are very common symptoms of depression. But someone who's the person going through the mud, that one stuck out to me. Right. I mean, they're still doing what they need to do. And And it can be tempting to be like, oh, well, you're not staying in bed all day, so you're not actually depressed. That's a really – that that brings me back to the migraine headache thing. Yes. Because um, I've had people say to me, well, you you don't – you must not really have a migraine or you wouldn't be still working. Yeah. Well, yeah, I do. I, you know, I sometimes I can't see out of one of my eyes. Mm. You know, sometimes the pain is so bad that I just, you know, I kind of dissociate through the day. Yeah. And I mean, it's much better now than it used to be. So I should, I, and I'm not complaining, except that's that idea. It's invalidating the right. person if you say, well, you you don't have depression because you're not crying all the time. Exactly. You're not looking a certain way. You're not right. looking the way that I think depression looks so you don't have depression. Right. And then the person's left going, maybe I don't have depression or maybe my depression's not as bad as I think it is, even though I feel so terrible. I mean. I think about like Robin Williams. Yeah. You know, people who were not real close to him would have no idea Mm -hmm. that he dealt with depression all the time. But but a lot of different mental illnesses, people build up great defenses defenses to, to show the world that they're okay. Right. And to deal with it. The problem is the pressure only gets worse when you just hide it from people all the yeah. time. I think one of the things that I'd like to say about it is, um, and this kind of goes back to the empathy. I'm sorry, I'm kind of going backwards for a minute. I think that's going to be I had an experience just recently in a family session where there were several members of a family and one of the kids, uh, adolescent, has a lot of behavior issues and um, has had some diagnoses. But mom is, is saying to me and to the whole family, really. He just needs to stop mm-hmm. acting this way and show me respect and then we'll all get along and everything will be fine. And no matter how I phrased it or no matter which direction we came at it, I could not get her to stop that, you know, he just needs to, mm-hmm. that phrase, which I just wanted to kind of scream because, you know, that's like, you know, <laughs> it, it's saying to somebody, you just need to lose 50 pounds. Right. Just lose 50 pounds. You know, some some people really struggle with, with their weight. You can't just tell them, well, good grief. Or with even the mental- like, you just need to stop being diabetic. 
Yeah. Oh, that's a good example. I mean, like that's an even better example. I've had to do that to a parent where the parent actually has migraines as well, Mm -hmm. and the parent was saying, "Well, my kid just needs to stop being depressed." Basically, was what he was saying. He never said that in those words, but like, just needs to stop laying in bed all day, Mm -hmm. or or needs to stop moping around. He said a few times, and it's like, do just stop having migraines, right? How about you just do that? That's the same thing. It's you're asking the same thing. And I think that's the problem. And that was the problem in this particular family session was that she would not open her mind to that. She would not. They're not going to get it if they don't want to get it. Yeah. If they're not ready to get it. And speaking of not getting it, if they don't want to get it kind of thing, um, I think there are times when we're dealing with someone with mental illness and we're a more neurotypical person Mm -hmm. and we want them to be the same level of rationality that we are. And that's just not not in their potential. They can't be that same kind of rationality that we are. Which again, we can be the people who kind of pull them more toward that and Mm -hmm. say like, hey, the things you're experiencing are depression or hey, your depression is telling you one thing, but that's not actually the reality. Like come back to that a little bit. But you're never going to just be able to snap them out of it. Mm -hmm. An important part of, I'll say both empathy and education here, is part of learning how the symptoms look for the certain mental illness that your loved one's dealing with is so you can stop taking them personally. I think that's a really easy trap to fall into where loved ones will say like, uh, like, let's take depression again for an example. Depression can make people not want to engage with things. It can make people lay in bed all day or it can make them look angry sometimes. Sometimes depression can come out as anger. Or in an intimate relationship, it can present as not wanting to be intimate. Then it's hard for the partner not to take that personally. Exactly. The other person, it can be really easy to go into this thinking that, hey, this person just doesn't want to do these things. Right. Not that their brain's literally stopping them from doing that right now. Right. It's, oh, they're choosing not to hang out with me. They're choosing not to be intimate with me. They're, They're choosing not to do these things when, in fact, it's just they're kind of losing the battle that day. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's a harder day than usual. Because that's a good point, Anna, because we have several times in different episodes made it a specific point that even though a person has mental illness, they still make choices. Sure, yes. There are, you know, there are certain things that they can't, but it depends a lot on the day. It depends yeah. a lot on whether if they're on medication, if they are taking their medication the way they yeah, should. Yep. There's so many factors in that. But we don't want it to be like for most mental illness, they never have any choices because no, no. we do know that they do. But but it's I mean, just it, so much harder yeah, in certain Yeah, the choices situations. when you have mental illness are more like higher level choices where I need to choose to get help. I need to choose to, like you said, stay compliant with my medicine. If those things aren't happening, then the little tiny choices, the choices of I want to watch a movie with my partner instead of going to bed, like Mm -hmm. those choices aren't going to be as viable. Right. Those aren't going to be as available to them to make those choices. I want to mention ADHD here personally too, Mm -hmm. where a big part of ADHD ADHD is a thing that I've worked with people who take personally too, like in family sessions. Right. The kids just need to settle down. They need to focus. They need to they need to be better at getting getting ready. They need to mm-hmm. do this. They need to do this. So be more organized. Yes. So an important part of ADHD is something called time blindness, which makes it really difficult for a person with ADHD to know how long it will take to do things. 
this can really easily be interpreted by a loved one as, hey, this ADHD person cares more about, like, insert other thing here right. than they do about my time, mm-hmm. about attending to, to these things that they need to attend to. They aren't prioritizing me. That's really important with being a significant other of a right. person with ADHD. Right. That's just another time that empathy comes in where it helps to step back. It helps to understand that the person with ADHD also feels bad about what's going on. That's a really important thing to look at when you are struggling with taking things personally. Like, your loved one is not trying to hurt you. And if you think they are, it may be worth not being in the relationship. Right, right. If you think they are, then do something about it. Yeah, exactly. Because that's another thing to remember, too, that just because someone has a mental illness, this goes back to there are choices to be made. Having a mental illness is not a good excuse to treat you badly. Right. And if that's what's happening, you may need to, I I know that you want to support the person with a mental illness, but it's important to take care of your own needs too and say like, I can't stay in this if I'm going to be mistreated. I think that's a huge, huge thing that, like I said in the beginning, I mean, like if it's your child, Mm -hmm. then it's going to be hard for you to say, I don't want to be in a relationship with you anymore. Right, right, right. But if you are in like your significant other relationship and that person has a mental illness that's, that's affecting you in very negative ways, either perhaps damaging your own mental health or if that person is abusive in some way toward you, then there are times when you have to weigh, is it healthy for me to stay in this relationship? And it doesn't mean that you're selfish because you can't. There are some times that... But also sometimes you need to be selfish. Right. Sometimes you need to take care of yourself. Yeah. I read something interesting about a study about people who have mental illnesses choosing someone with mental illness for their partner. Can I share a minute about that? Um, It's actually a study that was published in the Journal of American Medical Association. And the researchers analyzed records of 700,000 individuals, so that's a lot, isn't it, who were diagnosed with ADHD, autism spectrum, schizophrenia, bipolar, depression, anxiety, uh, social phobia, OCD, anorexia, or substance abuse. Good grief. So that's a lot, isn't it? They evaluated how often these diagnoses correlated with their spouse or partner having either the same um, condition or a different mental illness condition. Okay. okay. They found that overall people with mental disorders were two to three times more likely than the general population to have a romantic partner with any mental disorder. Okay. Some disorders showed a greater likelihood of both partners having the same one. People with ADHD or schizophrenia, for instance, were seven times more likely wow. to partner with someone else with the same condition. Wow. Um, so if you're if your loved one has a mental illness you you might want to look in the mirror (laughs) yeah and for people who are on the spectrum of autism 10 times more likely to choose a partner who also was on the spectrum that's a vibe thing right i i'm thinking that's a vibe thing like these people vibe with me they get me (laughs) they get me yeah that might be it well we've talked about even just real recently about similar people pick people who look similar but also you pick people who are kind of your intelligence. On the same level. Yeah. You yeah. have your sense of humor. Right. I mean, generally speaking. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we go completely opposite. But right. One of the things that's really significant, though, about this idea about people partnering like that is that many mental health issues are genetically linked. Oh, yeah. So like if you have two people who have ADHD coupling up and then having children, the likelihood of them having children with some serious ADHD oh, issues is huge. ding. 
So when people are like, hey, does anyone wonder why there's such a higher prevalence of ADHD than there used to be? It's because we're breeding we're it into existence. Out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There, there's only few of these kind of examinations. But they suggest that up to 67.5% of offspring from two people with schizophrenia will have children with oh schizophrenia. 67%. 44% if we have two people with bipolar disorder. So there is a really a, high it's a high bipolar likelihood. Gen- yeah. yeah. Bipolar and, and schizophrenia. And we've talked about how O C D is is genetic. So yep. two O C D people couple up and you got some bad good, news. Some O C D stuff going on. Can we talk for a minute about like how to know when our partner might be suicidal? Yeah. That's okay. important. So since we're talking specifically about living with someone with depression, um one of the things that struck me was that as a partner of someone who struggles with depression, I would think that it would be a very big issue, maybe always in the front of your mind, the idea of suicide yeah. or so- and or self-harm, but specifically suicide. Because one of the things I think that significant others deal with is that feeling like, I'm responsible to keep this person alive. Exactly. And not not just depression. I just literally talked to a woman in my office this past week whose husband is an alcoholic. Mm. And her life for the last whatever, however many years, 20 years or whatever, has been to keep him sober. Yeah. And she feels like if he should lose his sobriety, she has completely failed. Yeah. And that's kind of the same feeling that maybe some people have with their partners who have mental illness who self-harm or especially if they commit suicide. That's a huge thing. Right. And I think it's important. I mean, this may sound callous, but it's not your job to keep them alive. Right. I mean, if you're listening to this and you are struggling with being the loved one to someone with a mental illness, it's not your job to keep them alive. You can support them as as best you can. You can be there for them as best you can. But at the end of the day, it's not your job to keep someone alive. Right. That is above your pay grade. In the very last episode, we talked about people who are in relationships with people who have narcissistic personality disorder. And one of the things we talked about was that being in a relationship with certain types of people with mental illness causes a very enmeshed relationship and a serious codependency. And so this is another thing about being in a relationship with someone with mental illness is that you may be really wrapped up in this codependency and not even realize it. And part of that might be that like savior complex, like you're going to be that person's savior. Right. You know, you're the only one who can keep them safe and on the road to being healthy or whatever. That in itself is an issue that perhaps you need therapy for or, you know, a support group. I know that, oh, not Alcoholics Anonymous, but Al-Anon. Al-Anon is is that kind of thing um, that helps people who love someone. That is something that (laughs) it's. It took me an embarrassingly long amount of my life to realize that Alcoholics Anonymous and Al-Anon are not the same thing. I thought they were just two different words for the same thing. Al-Anon is a support group for people who are loved ones of someone with substance abuse problems or Narconon, Al-Anon and Narconon. So those are different than like AA. And 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 it's very specifically – like Anna said, for substance abuse or alcohol abuse. However, there would be a lot of similarities in that. I'm sure, In that codependency, you know. So you might want to look around for a support group that would be for people who perhaps their loved one is dealing with depression or whatever. Right. I know that when my late husband was alive, there was a support group for people because my husband had a lot of health issues and there was a support group in our area for support people, you know, like, Caregivers. Yeah, caregivers of people who had multiple health issues. 
I never went to it, but I probably should have. <laughs> I probably should you have. Probably should have. Because there is a lot of good that can come from being around other people with that universality of knowing that other people struggle with the same questions and problems right. you have when you're trying to deal with the loved one that and has can, mental illness. Yeah, it can be a really good way to get a different perspective on mm-hmm. your loved one's mental illness. It can be a good way to know that you're not alone in feeling upset or isolated by your loved one's mental illness. Like there's power in being able to be around other people where you feel safe saying, I'm really struggling with this. Because mm-hmm. when you're the more neurotypical, I'll say, partner, in a relationship, which, I mean, with your study, maybe there's not one of those. But mm-hmm. but even with people who, like I said, me and Nathan, we both have struggles of our own. But there's times where one of us is more level and the other one maybe is struggling more. Mm-hmm. So when you're the one who's not struggling with that at the moment or struggling with that at all, there's this pressure to always be more level and never feel like... I'm upset about this. Mm, that's or, a really good point, Anna. Or like like I'm having a hard time because mm-hmm. I have to be the strong one because my partner is the one having a hard right. time or my loved one or my child or whatever. And you can kind of generalize that. People can – because yeah. going back to, to my late husband, I, I know that because of his physical illness, I always kind of felt like – I could never get sick because, yeah. you know, I had to take care of him. And I was, and I've heard other people say things like, you know, nobody ever takes care of me. I always right. have to take care of them. And, and so that might Which, be a real overwhelm. That's also kind of a savior complex. It is a, thing. It's a choice that you're making and yes. you need to draw your boundaries. Exactly. And, um, but that goes into one of the ways that maybe you can figure out how to do that for yourself is to get therapy yourself. So let's talk about therapy. Let's talk about therapy. That's how <laughs> So we'll... now let's back up a second because it can also be, this can kind of tie into education. It can, if your loved one's comfortable with it, it can be helpful for you to sit in to their therapy sessions because please God, have them get therapy. Uh-huh. First of all, mm-hmm. the person with the mental illness should be getting therapy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Cannot stress that enough. So hopefully they are getting their own therapy. Hopefully they are working on their own stuff. And if they are, ask them if maybe you can sit in because it can really be good to do your own research. That's great. But it can be beneficial to talk to a trained mental health professional, especially one who has been working with your loved one. Right. And who can maybe, because as a person who's been in that counseling role, sometimes it can be like a translator situation. Like you have worked, I have worked with this person for a long time and I know kind of what they're dealing with and maybe it's hard for them to express, but maybe it's a little easier for me to step back and explain it in a way that a more neurotypical person would be able to understand it. That's a good way to say it. Kind of so, like a mediator. Yeah, yeah. Or translator is the even better word. Yeah, like I'm, I speak. Oh, don't I speak worry. I speak jive. <laughs> yeah, one of those situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe there can be that level of insight. But also, get your own therapy. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to have a place where you can put down those defenses and be honest about how, how difficult this is for you. Mm-hmm. It can be really easy to get wrapped up in caring for someone with a mental illness and eventually that's going to burn you out. Caregiver fatigue is a real thing. We talked about that in episode 26, if you want to listen to that. Wow, you just pulled that right out of your brain. Oh, I had it in my notes. Oh. <laughs> no, don't worry. <laughs> I, I did because I was also going to mention that, that, that it, that's caregiver fatigue. Right. We can have narrow definitions about what caregiver fatigue is. It's not just physical. Caregiver fatigue comes in with mental illness caregivers as well. And this also goes back to what we were talking about, that it's really important to have that outside support 
because it's not your job to fix your loved ones. Mm -hmm. You can't, actually. I'll go as far as to say that. You cannot fix your loved ones. Right. No matter how knowledgeable you are, no matter how supportive you are, no matter how empathetic you are, you can't fix their mental illness. Right. They can fix it. They can work on it with the right supports, but you cannot fix it. Right. In some ways, I mean, mental illness is something that we're not so much going to fix it. We're going to learn to cope with it yeah. and to be the healthiest we can be with that. Understand. It's kind of it. like the high blood pressure. I'm not going to fix that high blood pressure. It's there, yeah. but I can make it better by doing certain right. things. Right. I can not I can, exacerbate I can, it. <laughs> right. I can improve. Not make it worse. The other stuff that I have is kind of stuff that we've already talked about, like don't just tell them to get better. Like there's this danger of thinking, especially again for depression, there's this danger of thinking that like depressed is just a mood. It's mm-hmm. just a mood and you'll get over you'll it. Get over it, yeah. Instead of this is a pervasive state of mind that takes a lot of work or medication or a mix of both. Mm-hmm. It's not just a passing thing. I think that's that's one of the last things I'd like to throw in is that if you are the loved one of someone with mental illness, it's very possible that that person may need medication. And we all have different opinions about medication. Yeah. Some of us are very – You don't need medication. Yeah. No Pull matter, yourself up by your boots. Yeah, everything can be fixed with positive Good attitude. Good old-fashioned willpower. Yeah. And and I, I would have to put, say that I am a little biased about that I do feel that sometimes we, we tend to over-medicate sure. in our society. Yes. I do feel like we over-medicate a little bit. But I also have absolutely seen clients that absolutely need to have medication in their life in order to function at their highest potential. I, I so. for a long time, was one of the people that was like, I don't want medication. Mm-hmm. I just want to – I want to fix it. I'm weak if I can't fix it right. just by changing my state of mind. And then I got on depression medication and <laughs> – <laughs> That's a professional <laughs> clinical definition. Oh, man. <laughs> Air horn noises. My doctor called me yesterday for like a re-up of my prescription. And he's like, so how are you feeling on the depression medication? I'm like, great. That's I good. feel amazing. That's good. So yeah, I mean, if you think could be right for you, definitely get a few different opinions. Definitely seek out the best option for you. But don't be afraid if that's what your brain needs. Right. You're not weak for needing to balance out your brain chemicals. Right. Okay. Okay. My final word here is if you are the loved one of someone with a mental illness, thank you for what you do. Mm -hmm. I know how hard it is to be a support. I know how hard it is to be the person with a mental illness who needs the support. So it's hard on both sides. That being said, get your own support. Yes. Don't go at it alone. Don't isolate yourself. This includes communicating with your partner Asking them what they need, like you said before. Mm -hmm. Asking them how you can best support them, which they might have a hard time expressing. But also reach out and tell other people what you need to. Don't try to go out alone. Don't try to fix them. Be open about your needs. Be open about your partner's needs or your loved one's needs, child, whatever, whoever Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. Don't try to do it alone. That's a good closing thought. Are you happy this one hasn't been as funny? Yeah, I didn't do much laughing, did I? She was like, I've been listening to old episodes and we sound so much more professional. We laugh less. And I'm like, is that a good thing? What? That is something that in closing, I'd like to, to suggest to you, Sipsters. If you've only listened to a couple of our episodes, or maybe if this is the first episode you listen to, every episode is different. Yeah, man. I mean, our, our moods, our personalities. 
I mean, some things are True. the same, but <laughs> I would encourage you to to just kind of skip back. Yeah. Don't like go in order. Just find a title that you think is fun and 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 try it. Out. Try it because every one of our what episode are we on now? What is sixty four? Sixty four. So all sixty four are different, unique, and beautiful. <laughs> when I mentioned like God's children, when I mentioned episode twenty six, <laughs> that's a downer of an episode. The one where we talk about caregiver fatigue and grief and... Oh, was that right after mm-hmm. Bob died? Yep. Wow. So that yeah, one's so a downer. That, so if you only listen to that episode, you would really And this get one. The, you're yeah. like, well, these people are downers. And another one went, that was really serious was the one we talked about alcohol. Yeah. That was, that was a, like episode there, six or yeah, something. Yeah, we got so d- d- just like, I know. There, there's, yeah, don't just I, listen to I these. think I even cried during that you one. You did. I had to cut it out. <laughs> did I go? <laughs> <laughs> I had to cut it out a so little bit. So either I'm laughing hysterically or I'm bawling. We- I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Mom's a little emotional. So-, <laughs> so yeah, don't just listen to the ones we're talking about this uh, week. <laughs> yeah. Please listen, listen to, to other ones. <laughs> we laugh, I swear. I swear but if, we laugh. If you're, yeah, if you're new to our podcast, don't just listen to one episode and think you get it. Right. Because we're, we're all over the place, Every dude. episode's different, just like every person with mental illness <laughs> is different. Well, that's a good ending. <laughs> Should I thank the listeners? Please do. Um, and we especially would like to thank our listener who suggested this topic. Yes. And Go and check them out at Coe's Questions on Twitter. So at C-O-I-E-S-Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S. That's awesome. We love to hear from you, Sipsters. So if you want to reach out to us and either give us an idea for an episode or if you have some questions about one of the episodes that we did or... Especially these episodes that are more like personal, less about like... I mean, I understand listening to an episode about like a historical psychology figure and not really having a lot of questions, but these kind of episodes really do... I mean, these are practical episodes about things people... Right. Like you may be going through it in your own life. It might bring up something so. that you'd like to ask. So yeah. please do. So we do thank you for joining us. And we do invite you to join us again next time. And maybe go back and, and listen to some of the older episodes that maybe you haven't heard. And hear some of that information. But in the meantime, we just look forward to talking with you next time. Thanks for being with us. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter as well. Also Instagram and Facebook. We are Freudian Sips Pod on all of those sites. Our own site is freudiansipspod.com. If you want to get a hold of us directly to ask us any of those questions about, especially like if you are someone who's struggling with a mental illness or if you are the loved one of someone struggling with a mental illness, if you have any specific questions about things we've talked about in this episode, please do reach out to us. We love to actually get in the nitty gritty and help people like that. So uh, email us at freudiansipspod at gmail.com. We are also on Patreon, like I mentioned very briefly at the beginning of the episode. If you want to support the show for a couple dollars a month, we are Freudian Sips Pod on there as well. Please remember to leave us a nice rating and review if you can do that wherever you're listening. And in the meantime, we will see you next week. And our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod. And it sounds like this. That's not the squeaky one, I think. Because I thought about saying, you know, we can't complete, even if we have our yeah. own mental. Never mind it. Until <laughs> 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 um, We cannot know what somebody else feels. And I was thinking about like. <laughs>